0: who wants to play a game it's time for hide and seek run run run
1: time to run and hide run 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 and now
0: i'm going to find you scurry off into the darkness hurry i'm behind you don't you speak Don't be a bitch, Fitch. My name is Matthew Crowe, And hello,
1: brown-haired niece. You continue to exist. My name is Shahir Dowd.
0: And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film. Ready or not, there's no more words to the song. I fucked it up. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. No, You know what? Today... We're going to keep going, though. Yep. You know why? <laughs> because, dear listeners, <laughs> d- dear God... Um, oh, wait,
1: dear listeners, do you feel a sense of deja vu?
0: I I hope you do. I hope everyone's ears are ringing.
1: One more fun factor. We're recording this at uh, 9 p.m. on Friday the 13th.
0: That's right. And, and there's something special. Yeah. But there's something special <laughs> to that in particular. And that is we already did this episode.
1: What? Groundhog Day. <laughs> Groundhog Day.
0: Uh, My system, or me, don't know which, uh, basically had the wrong mics recording, and we love you so much that rather than send you the garbledy-gook nonsense that recorded off of my laptop internal microphone with us not pointing our mouths even remotely at it... We're gonna do the whole podcast again.
1: Listen, I'm I, I'm gonna say this, you know, just once and for all. Matt has an entire recording studio built in his in his apartment for this specific purpose. So if we have had one glitch like this in 230 episodes, that's a still a pretty great hit rate, and I'm still very thankful that we're here. So yeah, no you. no skin off my back. I know. Uh, it just uh, to it, do it, this again. It's been a day, Shahir. But also, you know what's what's great about this? What we get to like retime our jokes, re reperfect everything that we did. We, I mean, I will say this: that episode that we dropped this afternoon uh, for Ready or Not, greatest podcast episode in the history of, of podcasting. Full stop. This American Life, Radiolab, um, Today, Explained, The Daily—they—they they got nothing. On what we did this afternoon. I guess. So uh, if if today's, you know, if this is a little bit like, it's just a little bit less than what we did, which was so
0: great. We're going to act so natural (laughs) that after this, we're probably only going to bring this fact up Maybe like ninety well, okay. or a hundred times.
1: I, I think this actually because we didn't discuss this on the previous one. So no, we didn't. Let's let's go a little bit live here. Oh shit! Favorite because because we are recording on Friday the thirteenth, and I feel that the reason the recording went out because it was because it was Friday the thirteenth. Okay, okay. What is your favorite Friday the thirteenth with Jason Voorhees or not? As it turns out, because the first <laughs> one, remember the first one, remember the first one, didn't have Jason Voorhees. I know. Any.
0: You know what? I'm gonna go straight up Jason X. Jason
1: X. <laughs> when now, he goes w- now, w- to space. Oh, is that when he goes to space? <laughs> All right. Uh, you know what I think is Jason's like a real prankster. You know? like okay. he, He's like pulling plugs out just as we turn around and stuff. He's not trying to murder anyone anymore because that's so passe. Of course. And we live in a... T- he doesn't want to be seen as like toxically bad. Yeah. He just wants to like mess with us a little bit because that's his MO. That's his brand, baby. <laughs> that's what he does. I, I guess. Uh, I like Jason Goes to Manhattan. Uh, yeah. Jason Takes Manhattan? Is Jason that what it Takes
0: Manhattan. I don't remember that. I remember I, yeah. that
1: because the, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I think it was actually the first Jason movie I actually saw. Uh, I videotaped it off a late night uh, uh, screening. Perfect. Uh, and watched it again. And I, I watched it by myself and I got really scared. It was the first time I heard the ch 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 what is what is it? is it, what's Jason saying? Is it Jace Jace, Jace Jason?
0: No, <laughs> is he just saying? No, he name? doesn't say that. That's just a theme. What is the theme though? What is it saying? Oh, oh I'm not saying it. It's just. Yeah,
1: yeah. What is it?
0: It's like, it mouth, like it's saying, mouth noises. We, we say it
1: again. Kuh, 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 kuh. Is he trying to say kitchen, but missing the vowels? He's
0: not saying any... Kitchen. Oh, is man. Is he hungry? Is oh, that what it man. is? <laughs> You're just going to do this the entire <laughs> this time. This is going to be the worst.
1: I also love when Jason takes Manhattan. <laughs> uh, he goes up against <laughs> a boxer, and the boxer fights Jason. And then Jason takes one swing at the boxer. Because Jason, you know, basically he's got to go mano y mano with, with whoever he's at. So if you, if you come at him with a knife, he'll come back at you with a knife. And if you come at him with your fist, he'll go back at you with the fist. And he hits the boxer once... And the box's head fly,
0: flies off. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> Listen, when it was Freddy versus Jason, which also close, uh, yeah. close favorite for me. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, they had some they had some grud matches and he threw Freddy around a lot.
1: Yeah. 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 But Freddy. Now, this is you know, what would have been fun there is if Freddy went into Jason's dream and, and and then got freaked out and was like, what the fuck is this? Oh,
0: he got freaked Like,
1: out. Like if Freddy was like, oh, no, 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 sir, I'm not coming in here. No, I don't want no part of this. No, he, yeah. Well, <laughs> that w- I would have loved that. But anyway, fair Friday the 13th, uh, email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com with your favorite Friday the 13th. And if, if, I hope you, I hope, dear listener, you haven't had any bad luck like we have. I In the scheme of things, I think losing a podcast recording that we managed to, you know, we'll be able to redo again isn't that ba- a big a deal. No. Um, but, you know, uh, hopefully you had a safe uh, and prosperous. Friday the 13th.
0: Indeed. Uh, Uh, Speaking of emails and people writing us in and the fact that everyone should and could do that, we do have some emails this week yeah. Uh, so let's, let's read them. I love Jason
1: to email us with. K- k- k-
0: k- ch- All ch- right. Ch- ch- this first email I've totally never read before in my entire <laughs> life comes from Zachary. Uh, he says, Hi, Matt and Shahir. I just recently started listening to your podcast and found it through Matt's role on Extra Credits, but this has wildly overshadowed it in my eyes. And when I read this the first time, <laughs> I actually had a real, I was like, oh, I yeah. had like a very heartfelt moment. So I want to continue that feeling <laughs> on. You guys have great chemistry together and hearing your discussions, even on on a movie that I don't particularly care for is enlightening every week. You guys have inspired me to see more movies, and now I'm in the works of starting my own podcast about movies in this parallel dimension where, of course, that could possibly happen, because we all know. I mean, the asterisk is over the only in our name for a very specific reason. It's called The Screenwriter's Nightmare. Oh, that's... Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I mean yeah. yeah, that's appropriate. Uh, yeah. Thank you again for your discussions. They keep me very entertained and help me to critically think about a ton of movies I've only glanced at in the past. Well, thank you, Zachary. Thank
1: you, Zachary. I'm very curious as to what the screenwriter's nightmare could be. A
0: hundred percent. What I mean, I guess what would be your if you were a screenwriter.
1: You know, yeah, I have a very specific uh, example. Do you where'd it yeah. come from? Uh I just thought of
0: it right now. Oh, this wow. is actually legitimate. This is a new one? Yeah,
1: this is, I just legitimately thought of okay. it right now. You are the person hired to rewrite Robert Town's script for Chinatown. And you're told to make this make sense. That wow. to me is the screenwriter's nightmare. Oof. Or, or you're told to punch up uh, being John Malkovich by Charlie Kaufman. That's the screenwriter's nightmare. Or you're told to make sense of uh, the uh, underage. I can have sex with the. Uh, uh, I'm not having sex with a minor scene in Transformers. You're told to like make that uh, not feel so creepy in a Michael. But Bay you movie.
0: have to keep that yeah. happening. Yeah, but it's still got to keep it's in the, still, you have to keep, keep that in, moment
1: in, in the movie. In but yeah, Transformers
0: so, Four is that Transformers? What, I, you know I haven't seen that movie. I I I just know it's about them. It's real confusing because that's the fourth Transformers movie, but also Marky Mark's first Transformers movie. You know what?
1: I'm bummed I didn't see. I haven't seen Bumblebee yet.
0: I heard good and things I heard about very Bumblebee. Very good things
1: about it. Directed by Stephen Knight, uh, mm-hmm. who oddly. Is the son of the? I'm not sure the first first name, but the the Nike the CEO of Nike. It's his son. Oh, really? Is, is the director of uh of uh, Bumblebee. He also directed uh, Kubo and the Two Strings.
0: Which that movie is legit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I hear very good things. So I'm I'm bummed I didn't see Bumblebee. I I feel you're, like you hear Bumblebee. I'm Bumblebee that I didn't see a Bumblebee with the Bumble. No, no. um, that's getting into my son's humor. Um, I you know because I look. I liked the first Transformers a lot. I think the first Transformers has has specifically one scene has a moment of genius in it. Yeah, Um, it's the one where the Transformers are trying to hide out in the house, and they're all in and around the house. Yeah, it's basically like a Charlie Chaplin movie with Transformers, and I was like, that's. Brilliant. I love it. I love every moment of that. Uh, then part two, part three, part four. Um, so, yes, thank you, Zachary, for your email. Uh, the screenwriter's nightmare, uh, in my estimation, would be having to make sense of one of those screenplays <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, or rewrite uh, Chinatown. Fair,
0: fair. What else we got, Shaheer?
1: Uh, we have an email from my buddy Stephen in New Zealand. Thank you for writing us in. Um, and I've read this before, so I'm just going to pretend I have read it before. Uh, hi, guys. Finally got to listen to the podcast on American Facts. You covered a lot of my thoughts and more, but did I wonder, how did you guys feel about the shooting? The locked-off shots are glorious and truly beautiful, but I found every time the camera moved, the rolling shutter artifacts were very distracting. In their publicity photos, uh, I saw that they they are shooting on a Canon C100 M2. Buckle up, listeners. We're going to get a little technical right now. Let's do it. So uh, Just hang on for a second here. And while I think it's a good entry-level production camera, for me, it wasn't quite up to the task of serious doco work. Also, some of the footage is obviously taken from DSLRs and a few times on a phone. Fortunately, the content was interesting enough to help me get focused on what was happening rather than how it was acquired. Good sound help, too. They're obviously skilled doco makers, but their budget might have let them down a bit. With Netflix and the Obamas moving into the doco world, uh, do we think there might be now a better market and bigger budgets for doco makers?
0: Well, uh, first and foremost, kudos for the using of the word doco. You like that? I like that!
1: I, I feel like it's a New Zealand thing. I don't know, maybe... I,
0: so I, I start I've started saying I've started putting O's at the end of things. Right. Like, I like doggo. Podcasto. But sure. Uh yeah, Transformers O. to <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: get some Romano noodles. Yeah, I don't know. sure. That's,
0: none of but, those make sense. But the the I, I just when I was reading this, I was delighted by by the the but abbreviation of documentary uh Philip into, into Doc O.
1: Because it's actually technically wrong as well, right? It's Doc U.
0: I don't think it... No, no, it's not technically wrong. It is technically wrong. No, you you can't have a a technically wrong abbreviation that's like a shorthand of colloquialism.
1: Doc you. Should we doc you? We know exactly what he's talking about. Therefore, Stephen's
0: not wrong. Okay.
1: Uh, I want to get... I uh, I actually really love this question uh, from a technical point of view because I think uh, while... I love the sentiment of the idea that we can make bigger budget documentary films. Sure. You know, because uh, there's more focus on them. I think there was this real period around Michael Moore's, um, uh, 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 what was the Columbine documentary? Bowling for Columbine. Bow- Bowling for Columbine. Around that period, people, and, you know, the rise of Morgan Spurlock as well, people were like, oh, documentaries are where it's at. People can actually right, really right, get right. into this. Um and, and there have been a, probably a couple of big scale documentaries. I'm thinking of films by like Jeffrey Reggio, uh, things like um, the Katsu trilogy, you know, Kiana Katsu. Uh, yes, yep. uh, Whatever the other two are, Pawakatsu. Um, and um, uh, Katsio. Yeah, Katsio. Katso. <laughs> That's the, the Katso trilogy. <laughs> but uh, I actually. I disagree with the sentiment that you need higher quality or bigger cameras or, you know, like using reds or anything like that. Uh, although, there were, again, thinking of just, I guess it might be late at night, but I'm just thinking of like interesting things. But I know, was it Werner Herzog uh, did a documentary uh, about uh, cave paintings and he did it in 3D. So it's a. Oh. Uh, so he shot it with two 3D rates. My point here is the reason why I think American Factory works so well is actually because they're using smaller cameras, which allows the uh, interviewees and the people in the rooms not to feel like there's a big, imposing thing recording the conversations that they're having. If the more invisible the documentary filmmakers can actually be while still capturing great material, um, I think that's actually bitter for the filmmakers. Oh, 100%. Because it allows them to capture more candid moments. Like there was a, you know, the. the The Moment in American uh, Factory. So, uh, listeners, please go back to uh, listen to our episode about American Factory with uh, wonderful guest Yishan Alim, who came and joined us for that conversation. Um, I think there's a moment in that documentary where uh, a factory worker basically tells the filmmaker that they're and I don't think they realize this but essentially that they're going to com- they're committing a crime um you know like something that would be highly yeah, yeah, illegal yeah, yeah, yeah. and I I wonder about whether you'd be able to capture that if you had a big camera rig no. you came in sit up put up lights and all that stuff No whereas uh, if you could just walk into a room and be like oh let's just can you just tell me about this and the camera was just there or you just kind of like threw it up uh I think that's actually bitter in those situations so uh, Stephen is a, a TV news camera operator documentary filmmaker gotcha. and and um narrative film he actually helped me on a project recently as well so he knows a lot about this i i just come from a point of view that the the smaller footprint you can have in these scenarios is actually a bitter uh case uh for for the filmmakers
0: i think i agree with that for the for the most part uh in this particular case i i did i'm trying to even think if i even noticed the rolling shutter itself um but i guess it also i mean there's an interesting sort of threshold between like the technical I don't want to say acumen or just or like uh, uh, showing what you're spending your money on on the screen yeah. and like for this, I thought it was a very good looking documentary, yeah, it's well, but it's I, well colored. And also the second something is a doco. yeah, I do forgive a lot of technical. Aspects, yeah. and if the sound and the color work is is on is up to snuff, yeah, then I'm good to go. But I can totally see I can totally see the gripe, Stephen. I just I just didn't see it in the moment.
1: I don't think I don't think it was a gripe. I think he's just asking like an interesting question about uh, documentary filmmaking. The other thing, just one final point on this, I think our vernacular to um, captured footage is has changed in the last ten years because of the advent of iPhones and the fact that everyone has a camera in their pocket now. I think we're much more open to seeing footage that you know looks yeah. A a little bit janky because we're... For better or worse. For better or worse because we're exposed to it and and what we're more interested in is like the actual content behind it. And sometimes that content is heightened by the way, by the fact that it's like uh, created uh, in a sort of ad hoc fashion. You know, a great fictional... You uh, deployment of that idea is, of course, the Blair Witch Project. You know, which basically uses handheld DV style footage to heighten the 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 terror because it's about how you know we're, we're, there's a relationship between the audience and what's being captured.
0: It was handheld film, though, wasn't? It? Wasn't it a film camera? No, it's DV. It's a it's a. It video. was DV. Yeah, For whatever me. reason, I thought in my brain, Blair Witch was like, oh, they found the film canister.
1: No, no, because the other, the joke about the Blair Witch uh, project was it's actually a forty thousand dollar film, and everyone was like. Dude, you could have made this for 20 bucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Blair Witch Project. So uh, thank you, Stephen, again for writing us in at OnlyMoviePodcast at uh, gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. One final thing I wanted to talk about just because it's Friday the 13th and this news just came out today, which is great that we got a chance to redo... It happened the, after the it, first record. It happened after the wow, first
0: recording. Wow, okay, fresh stuff for me. You got a
1: drink in your hand? Yeah, let's, here we go. Let's pull one out for the death of MoviePass, which is... Going completely offline as of tomorrow. I did not hear that. September 14th, MoviePass is no longer with us. Uh, Did you read... There's a fascinating article... Uh, about you know, because I was always kind of like on the side of MoviePass in terms of like the little engine that could. Sh- I was until I wasn't. Well, I just like the idea that they were shaking up the 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 industry and like change. And they and I think for better or worse, uh, MoviePass has done that. You know, now you have the Regal uh, subscription model, AMC, You've got the AMC subscription model. I actually met an economist in New Zealand recently, or an economist who was visiting me here. Yeah, and and he, and he was telling me about this the notion that all um uh the the nature of transactions are all changing which is that he, he basically was talking about the fact that uh, prior to 2008, um, you know, you could still buy, like, you owned your iPhone. Uh, now you buy it kind of on a pay payoff system. And he, he said essentially what you're getting there is actually just a subscription to, well, the, o- it. to the OS system. Yeah. And he was talking a lot about how, like, everyone is slowly shifting away from uh, delivery of products to delivery of service.
0: Same in gaming, man.
1: You, yeah, you, yeah, don't, I, I you literally, don't own anything.
0: Again, today mm-hmm. I bought, uh, though I'm not. A, a huge fan, though I'm not as against it as most other people. The Epic Game Store, oh, yeah. um, is the it's a, Epic is the company that does Fortnite yeah. and like all that stuff. But they made a deal on PC that they get Borderlands six months before Steam does, and it was right. a big hubba Baloo. But I love Borderlands, and I will do. I, you know, it's another launcher and all that stuff. But again, even in the licensing agreement of everything, like we don't, I don't own what I just bought. I I paid sixty dollars to essentially like. You think you'll be able to download it forever,
1: but also, like, I would an interesting game model for that be um, rather than paying sixty dollars for it. What if you paid two dollars a month? Uh,
0: you know, like for and example, that's what I thought Stadia was going to be, oh, but yeah. it's not. You you pay a subscription and then you, you buy, buy sixty dollars games? games on Stadia. And look, Google does a lot of great stuff. Yeah, Google runs half of my life and business, but. <laughs> Also, Google, as a company for better or worse, uh, tries a bunch of different stuff, see what sticks, and then just abandon stuff wholesale if it doesn't work. So if Stadia somehow tanks and people have dumped like... Because you're not even you're not, like even with Borderlands today, like I bought it and then I downloaded all of the game onto my hard drive. And in a world where maybe the Epic Game Store goes away, maybe there's a hack someone makes where I can still play Borderlands, right? Right. right. Because I have the data. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but Stadia, we, yeah. you don't have the you data. You Don't have the data.
1: It's a streaming service essentially for uh, a CPU. Right? Yeah. That like
0: so, so you're buying a game that's not the data's not even on the hard on your hard drive. Yeah. It's so weird.
1: I feel like we're gonna get to a point in our culture. Where you're gonna walk into a person's apartment and there's gonna be nothing there. It's just gonna be literally. There's no couch. There's no tables. There's nothing until you put on a pair of gl- a goggles, which you have to pay a subscription service for. And all of a sudden, everything that you think is there is there. You know that what I mean? Be pretty dope. Yeah, th- I think
0: uh, until the electricity goes out. Until then the electricity goes
1: Yeah, and then like everyone, you know, like the electricity goes out, the matrix turns off, and we're back to it. Anyway, movie passes. <laughs> this movie is, little, pass
0: is dead. Movie um, you know, I don't think the the other services would have come as quickly to America had MoviePass not exist. I understand in the UK and a couple other places there were already these services and MoviePass kind of took the model from them and was like, what about America? Yeah. Um, but I don't think that we would have been pressured enough.
1: You, you gotta read this article. I don't know which magazine it was in or which... Uh... Then
0: how am I gonna read the article? You could Google it. I can't. <laughs> you could
1: Google it. Google article <laughs> on... <laughs> Movie Pass, uh, and, they, and it basically went through their... <laughs> Give me something I, else to Google other I believe, than Movie I,
0: Pass. I actually believe
1: it might have been Forbes or Business Insider. Okay. Uh, but it was an interesting article about their business practices uh, and how shady it actually was there to the point where they so, were hemorrhaging money so much that they would uh, the CEO or someone in management uh, uh, made staff uh, reset everyone's passwords so that they couldn't log in to go see a movie. Uh, and then they would like they were constantly changing things <laughs> so that they couldn't do it and then the other thing was MoviePass actually tried to become like a Spotify so they would hold like parties at uh, at certain events and they had DJs coming but no one would turn up uh, because it was like it was still a weird thing and they had influences
0: come through it was it was they're it, the FireFest of movie uh, subscription services that's
1: really what it sounded like it sounded it was very akin to FireFest so at any rate Friday the 13th is the last day of MoviePass if it, uh, so if, suiting uh, you wouldn't uh, you, you know you have passed the date if you're listening to this podcast, but you could probably... uh, I hope you got to see one more... Screening of um, what? What would you have been able? Like, what, how narrow did the field? It got get?
0: real narrow oh, yeah. by the end. By like, the... it let you see like maybe the goldfinch at like two p.m. on a Wednesday in a in like Tucson or somewhere like that. Yeah, or nowhere in, near you. Yeah, no. The only <laughs> screening was like a thousand miles away. But it would give you the phone number <laughs> of someone who would leave their audio on while they watched it. There. <laughs> so there's a great video, uh, and you can search. I think it's called Ask a CEO, and they do the CEO of of MoviePass, not the real one but it's an actor playing oh, yeah. how desperate he is uh, to questions and like trying to basically form out ideas from the audience about what movie pass should do or what it what people want it's very very funny check oh that
1: out. you know what okay so now moving into the film that we're actually gonna discuss I feel like the family in Riddy or not the Ladamus. Yes, they would move into subscription gaming services. Like that's the that's the pact that they will make for uh, for sequels of this movie. Matt, can you tell us what "Ready or Not," a movie
0: I'm very excited about, uh, is about? Yeah, I absolutely can. A bride's wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying game. Chickers was it Chickers? No, but like I've, Tiddlywinks? I Tiddlywinks. So. Okay. Connect Four. It was Connect 4, wasn't it? Uh yeah, it was Connect
1: Play 4. Play Connect 4 with my toddler, it is terrifying.
0: Go for it. Mm-hmm. I win.
1: You just you never know when the when the uh pieces are going to be thrown against the wall.
0: Uh I just want to say something real quick up okay. top about before we get into the games and the movie and everything. Mm-hmm. This is the first film in a long time that I knew Absolutely nothing other than the movie poster standee I saw in the in like movie theaters when I would go see other films. I knew nothing about this.
1: Oh, you kind of had like the trailerless experience.
0: I a, yeah, I actually thought based on just glancing and walking by the standee, yeah. Uh, I thought it was like a period, like a Western period piece. I could see that because she's that. got the bandolier with the elephant gun ammunition. Her
1: dress is slightly antiquated. And, and it
0: looks, it looked like sort of old, even though it turns out that it's dirty. Hmm. Like the the and like everyone around. You know, in the halo of people all were wielding old timey weapons.
1: What would the Riddy or not Wiston be?
0: I have no idea. I did not know what this thing was. Instead
1: hide and seek, they'd be playing Russian roulette, right?
0: Maybe, yeah. maybe. Uh but then uh so it was just it was a real refreshing ride when I uh Did did you did out. you
1: did you kind of enjoy that experience of like not knowing anything?
0: So in this case, absolutely yes. Yeah. I, I don't think that would be that so I'm too curious about um
1: Did you want you so you didn't even watch the trailer after, no, after no. we talked about doing this movie?
0: Movie. No, okay. no, um, and the like for you know for things I am actively invested in you know mm-hmm. cinematic universes or you know Star Wars or whatever, like whatever like those type of things yeah I need I like knowing the information early not yeah. not like spoiler level early but like I'll watch the trailer yeah like you know I like that I heard I think Palpatine laugh in that trailer like I'm like ooh and that got me like whatever
1: that's, that's a spoiler for me bro. for you
0: <laughs> all right well you never know it could could have been Jar Jar no one knows no uh, one saw a I mean, thing
1: I would love that so much. <laughs> If this has all been building up to Return of
0: Jar, Jar. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it was just a really nice experience. It's, it's good,
1: right? Like, it, it feels... Uh, here's the thing. I, I think um, uh, you might have the perception that because I don't watch the trailers, I don't know what what movies are about and what's happening, uh, which is not the case. I, I think I'm fairly up-to-date about a lot of movies. Sure. Um, and, and the thing that I'm just trying to avoid without watching the trailer is I don't want to see the moments out of context that's that's real i don't i don't mind knowing what the synopsis in fact i want to know what the synopsis of most movies are i don't mind knowing uh detail little plot details what i don't want to do is is see moments i, I and i, I don't want to see the moments like I, you could
0: you don't want to be waiting to piece it together in your brain like yeah, i know this takes place on a cruise ship when's the cruise ship
1: exactly scene? i don't want to have i don't want to be thinking ahead of the movie. so i love it when i uh, like i you know uh we went to the same screening i turned up a little bit later than you it was almost empty
0: you, you broke a chair i did i broke a
1: i was like that buffoon in the front
0: aisle who was like (laughs) waddling in late like jamie and i are sitting back like back center like row j out of a theater (laughs) of a full alphabet right and shahir i think like you like sitting a little bit closer than i do normally
1: you know what it Uh, was i I, can i just tell you why i actually did that okay because we've had this conversation before where you're like if you pick a seat you goddamn stay with that seat and so i'd pick the seat and i I
0: meant more of like if you have it on your ticket stuff yeah yeah Yeah,
1: so i picked that seat and then i saw you guys and i was like, no. No, I'm gonna stick to my seat.
0: But also, I texted you our seats so you could pick a d- seat next to my seat. I, d- I actually did. So didn't, I, didn't so get that I wasn't just a dick. <laughs> but so Shear sits down about two or three rows ahead uh, and a- a- against an aisle, and then we just hear <laughs> and we both, me and Jamie, look over, and he just like, like triumphantly, like he killed a bear, like holds up the armrest of this seat, and then I'm like, what just happened? And he puts it down, and he walks to another <laughs> seat. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the- like, I'm
1: literally like. Uh, uh, Mystery three thousand. This uh, you know. Yeah, the, Mystery this, science theater. Mystery science theater. This three thousand. The entire movie experience. I'm like walking in front. I'm throwing chairs up. I'm a monster it of was a human very being. Very enjoyable. And uh, yeah, but no, I uh, I I wanted to sit in my designated seat, which I don't think I did in the end. By the way,
0: no, you didn't because the, the seat was broken. It's not your fault. It's not you. Don't, you hmm. didn't know your own strength. But
1: you know what I love? What I love is uh, the 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 20th century fox logo appears. Fox like pictures. Starts up and then I was and then I just have this I I have this moment before almost everything I see now, complete blank slate. I'm like, I don't know what I'm about to get. I don't know any images I'm about to see. I I, like I literally often because I haven't been inundated with the trailer or anything like that, I sit down and it's like, oh, what is this I'm watching right now? And and what's what I like about that experience is I have to come to terms with the film on its terms. You know what I mean? Like I have to watch
0: it on its turn. Like it's a sentient being.
1: No, I, I, I am not bringing any preconceptions to this film. So I'll. Well, you or,
0: are. You're just not bringing because you even said yourself you like research and you know plot points and you have things like you're, I, you're bringing I, some so, stuff, but I, not visually.
1: What I knew about this film is that there was a wedding, and that there was a game that had to be played, and the game was a little bit like, um, the most dangerous game that's what i brought to it. Okay. And and so then i was like, okay, what am i in for? And it, and i love just that experience of like having to like deal with the movie on its own terms. It was like, how does this tell me the story? I've got no context for the for the story that you're give, you're about to give me. So, is it going to work? Is it going to actually play to to what i think it does? And and i'll i guess i'll go first. Do it. I was Absolutely delighted with this film. This is this is uh, uh, just a terrific ride of a movie. It's a funhouse ride of a movie, more so than It uh, Chapter Two, which is the movie we discussed last week. But it is uh, an incredible. Though
0: thing, there is a physical funhouse in It Chapter Two, which is
1: nowhere near as fun, right. as this one. There we go. Um, but I loved that um, this the concept of this movie, the idea that there is this wealth, you know, extraordinarily wealthy family that has this unusual ritual that they do for new... Um, new members of the family, so to speak, where people have to like play a game, or you know, choose uh, out of a special magic box. This a particular game, and some people might get chased, some people might get checkers If you get hide and seek for some reason, oh uh, fuck! It's a, it's all on apparently. Um, and and I the the conceit for that I think is so strong because it's built on such great dynamics. You know, the fact that this is a an or a uh, 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 Samara Weaving's character Grace uh, is a is a woman who's been. brought up in foster homes yep. who's being brought into one of the wealthiest, most extravagant, you know, kind of rich and affluent families. <laughs> game designers. Game de- <laughs> game owners.
0: Game owners. And actually, to be They're, to be fair, they do when I first heard it's like, oh, it's the gaming family, or as they call it in the trailer, <laughs> the Dominion, yeah. right? Uh, I was like, How the hell did they afford all this shit? And then they told of t- tell the story a little bit, which yeah. I liked about yeah. like how the father, the great grandfather, and everything, and then how this guy, who is the yeah. current father, the, the the patriarch of the family, yeah, uh basically was like, and then I bought bought four sports teams and i was like there it is yeah there you gotta go i mean i i
1: love that i i you know like i was saying this earlier as we recorded this conversation earlier today that this i don't know if this was a blacklist script uh but it certainly feels like it was a blacklist script and um uh for those who don't know a blacklist script uh there there's a uh an online screenwriting um it's not a competition but it's an online screenwriting service uh I guess it's not even a service. Basically, it's a you know, list. Leonardo DiCaprio's company, Appian Way, uh, would basically get all of their uh, production executives together at the end of every year and say, what are the best unmade uh, feature scripts that you've read this year? And they would put together this list and they'd call it the blacklist. Uh, if you're a screenwriter, uh, if you <laughs> might be thinking about the screenwriter's nightmare, what you want to do is get on that blacklist because now it's a thing. If you have a script that appeared on the blacklist, that is a hot commodity.
0: Also, I said it before and I'll say it again, counterintuitive name. When you are blacklisted in a in an industry, that is normally a bad thing. That means you cannot be hired in it. But in this case, right. it's a good thing to have your script blacklisted. Not you as a screenwriter blacklisted, because that would be bad. But your actual paper and words on it, if that gets blacklisted... You're, you're almost guaranteed to go to the top.
1: What I love about what you just said is it feels like you're learning language for the first time. <laughs> it's like it feels like you're learning a foreign language for the first time. Yeah. Like you're like blacklisted traditionally means exactly.
0: This. I just I just went through a whole, but yeah. yeah. Sometimes uh, you can be
1: really cool. I watched in the a, whole in the summer.
0: <laughs> I watched the whole <laughs> Muzzy series on film lingo. So, what's Muzzy? You don't know Muzzy? I don't know. Is this We La Mm, but, oh wow. Yeah. Oh my god. Maybe they didn't have it in in uh in New Zealand. Muzzy right. was T- Side
1: tangent. Let's stop it. Let's go. Let's do this.
0: Muzzy? What is this? <laughs> wow. What is I didn't know you didn't know what the blacklist was. That's fair. I don't know That's what the fair. what Muzzy is. Uh so so f- Muzzy was a thing that they tried to sell you during Saturday morning cartoons or try to sell your parents of where it was a cartoon monster that would teach you languages. Muzzy was, was a bear. No, he wasn't a bear. He was. He wasn't a bear. No, Muzzy was. He wasn't <laughs> a bear. Uh, it was like you know those hard shell VHS tapes, basically. Okay. Well, you could order them in in French and and or or Spanish or Russian or like whatever. And I just always remember because there was always a little girl that just said because it was the French tape in the thing goes "c'est oui la oh, which means okay. in French "I am a little girl." Huh. Uh, and and I always wanted Muzzy, and I never got Muzzy. So, and and now I just speak English. But now, film the Muzzy script on film. I can't <laughs> believe my poorly timed—I uh, don't know—late '80s joke <laughs> didn't land for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what did land for me <laughs> was that terrible, terrible segue. Uh, back to the movie. Back to the Los Damos film. We're back uh, in uh, the the present day, and I, again, I just—I—I I was so excited by. By this conceit um that and and it's it's such a well executed film it's such a well designed film um it, it has this sort of sense of escalation and and the, the other great thing about this movie is is it doesn't overstate its welcome. It, it literally, it is out to tell this one story of this one girl and her one night, and it never goes beyond that, never tries to open up the world. Uh, I mean, there is, there is some, there's some interesting developments, uh, which we'll get into when we get into spoilers, but it doesn't go beyond what we need the experience to be. Now, my criticism of this film... And it's very minor. This is this is so slight. Uh, this is this is more to do with my excitement for. What the premise of this film is is that I felt they could have gone a little bit further with the social critique that was being used as a backdrop for this film. So the social critique here obviously has to do with wealth inequality, with people's superstitious beliefs around uh, their wealth and their dynamic, and how also wealthy people uh, in this particular world view the world in a different, entirely different paradigm than than what most normal people have to do deal with through
0: stupid parlor games, <laughs>
1: through, through parlor games, um, and I, I wondered if the social critique could go even further you know for example like a film like get out did uh you know get out has that sort of amazing final moment where the uh you know we see the flashing of blue lights and we know that that has uh, a broader social implication uh, to the film and i wondered if this film could go there but you know that has that, that's it's not a gripe as much as I'm just so excited by what this film
0: was. Well, it sounds like it's a bit of a balancing act for you too, because you you say that it didn't outstay its welcome, mm. but you also kind of wanted a little bit. It would have been nice if it sort of did a little bit more outside of the thing. Like,
1: uh, yeah, I no, mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. But it's it's
0: a, it's, a, it's a balancing act, yeah. right? Like it's it's and that I think is the sign of a, of a film that. I think did its job to the best of its ability, Mm. and and that's not to say I'm not trying to put this in a lower weight class or anything like that. It's just this movie. I guess I'll get to my stuff now. Is uh, super super fun. Yeah, Uh, I had a very good time. It's a fun and silly premise. Uh, i i really liked the cast everyone was wonderful we'll get into some some specialties later oh i loved the aunt i loved the aunt so much um also it was shot really nice solid editing the set the set design of the mansion in particular was real nice yeah uh the lighting you said this last time but i'm <laughs> gonna steal it now uh the lighting it was the, the film was like dark but never too dark again it rode that knife's edge of like it it never felt like you were straining your eyes watching the movie to see what was going on but the way that it handled contrast in the light level was just very very masterful. I really uh, appreciated that. Uh, I did like how, and I, it's fortuitous you brought up uh, Get Out because I did like in how you know the world of sort of like crazy family movies, and I'm talking like this could be from Get Out to even back to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Uh, the 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 bad family, the crazy family, whoever they are. Normally, they're all like they're like pure super skillful psychopaths like they're normal and then they just snap and they have like the eye swift to the side and then they're like then they do their horrible deed where this this movie and this is getting a little into spoilers at this point but the family, who ends up, due to the fact uh, they've made a deal with... A, their great-grandfather made a deal with a man named Le Bale, uh mm. to get uh, fame and fortune for their games or whatever. He'd fund whatever he wanted to do if uh, they agreed that every time someone married into the family, they would put a card in a box, <laughs> a Hellraiser box, and they'd have to play whatever game popped out. Some of them got chess. Some of them got Connect Four. Uh, but if it's hide-and-seek, you have to take the person, the bride or the groom, marrying into the family, and hunt them in your house and you have to kill them before dawn, which gets a little tight. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is the family who's doing the hunting are not seasoned killers, are not like psychopaths that like are so devoid of uh, what I will call human flaw. Uh, they are bumbling. A lot of them don't really want to do it. Characters are sort of wishy-washy about the entire thing. They don't even know if, like, because the, the, the rumor is that they'll all die if they can't kill her before the end of, uh, before dawn. Yeah. But they don't know for sure. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the aunt, um, oh, my gosh, played by, I got to get her name because she was so good, Aunt Helena uh, by Nikki uh, Guadagni. I I might butchered that. Guadino. Guadino. Guadini. Yeah, Guadini, uh, is the only one who has done this sort of before and had to kill her would-be husband. Mm -hmm. And she is a uh the most badass like woman with like this stark uh you know Tim Burtonesque pushed back spike hair mm-hmm. and she's got a fucking battle axe <laughs> she's all about it yeah. but everyone else has their moments of wavering they all actually kind of like grace which makes it more complicated mm. uh and I, I you know anyway i like and, and i think they're they're all like confl- well
1: not all but there is a con- conflictedness about whether they should do this
0: and they're not good at it that's that's my my point like yeah. they bumble they kill I mean again, now we're in spoilers full on. They kill two maids by accident and like they end up hurting each other a lot of times worse than they ever hurt Grace. In right. fact, the, the oh, and I won't even spoil this little part, but even a person that was completely uninvolved was the only person to really wound Grace first. Right. Like right. so like, I don't know, it was a it was a breath of fresh air. However, yeah. mm-hmm. I will say that the weakness for me on this side was a little bit in the dialogue. Hmm. Uh, I thought that it basically, it felt a little underbaked in certain spots. It felt like it just needed like a couple more passes just to, again, story and beats, rock and roll. Uh, but this was more like, it felt like there are moments, especially uh, when uh, there was characters screaming, like ex- expletives at things. It felt a little, um, or characters like very emotional in certain spots. It felt like they might want to like maybe reined in the actors from doing some improv maybe, or just like, Just the level of, like, what they were saying, like, a lot of times just felt sillier than the movie even was trying to be.
1: I think what you're you're getting at is that whether a person would be genuinely terrified enough or uh, cognizant enough to, like... To swear with such grace and finesse,
0: maybe. Oh yeah, to have to be to be the wordsmith, yeah, uh, of all that jazz, and uh, well, and then let's not even forget that they they said the the actual word family so much in this script. I have to I have expected Dominic Toretto and mm-hmm. Letty to roll up and try to get Grace out of there, and she could become their new family now.
1: Oh, boy, uh, that would be the cinematic universe that we've all been waiting for. I can't. Is wait. It, is it at this stage? We just basically want every movie to be a Fast and the Furious movie? Sure. Uh, no, e- even Jason. <laughs> Jason Jason, Jason X? Yeah, Jason X takes uh, Jason. <laughs> I mean, you Fast. know
0: Fast and the Furious is going to space. You know that, right? Oh, and that's where they'll meet Jason. I, mean, like, I hope he, so. And he
1: wants to get back to Earth now.
0: Dare to dream. <laughs> uh, no, this was a fun movie. It's just uh it did have it did have those sort of issues for me.
1: There's one thing I want to just jump into uh before we go into full, full details, but that I, I think to me one of the, the richest parts of this movie is the way in which the entire um the entire thematic Element of uh, you know the, the thematic anxiety of being married into a new family, the thematic uh, element of of the the anxiety around wealth inequality and where is my place in all of this, and really going into like a different kind of uh, spectrum of the world that you live in. All of that is coalesced around one uh, design element in this film, and that is Grace's dress. I think oh. that I, I love that the design of the, the, the dress has this sort of antiquated feeling to it. It's this sort of like, you know, even you said it felt like it was from a, an, it kind of like dress. an old time. It looked like an
0: old Western. I was like, I was think, picturing Red Dead Redemption. I was like, oh, this, this cowgirl's been through some shit.
1: But the first thing that happens is she has to get rid of the shoes. As soon as she gets rid of the shoes, she tears off the bottom of the dress so she can run faster. The dress is suddenly adapted in that way. Then she actually starts using part of the dress to like use it as bandage wounds.
0: Falls in a corpse pit, gets all
1: brown. Yeah, yeah. And she she has to like re you repurpose some of the dress. Her arm comes off, and she starts to look at feel uh, and look a little bit more like a commando, you know, from uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie. Yep. Uh, I I love that um, the dress takes on this per- takes on the personality of where she's at in the film, and it has to be tracked all the way through, and it's consistently tracked in sort of a fun way. I it, like and the image of uh, of her wearing Converse sneakers yeah. while in this sort of half. Uh, you know the the bottom of the dress is torn away, uh, but with uh, uh, shotgun, ra- you know, shotgun shells wrapped around her. I think is such a uh, a beautiful image for what this movie is trying to say in terms of uh, in terms of that anxiety around wealth and you know, like coming into a new family and fighting your way back and like owning your position. The film that it really made me think about, uh, and I know we mentioned this earlier in the day, but it really just reminded me of Die Hard. Like it really reminded me of that, you know, the the way in which Bruce Willis is coming, you know, comes in. He's inappropriately dressed for the Nakatomi, you know, Christmas function. His his wardrobe gets slowly, you know, like he's using part of his wardrobe in order to fight back. It becomes a big deal that he lifts his shoes up yep. in the pool, you know, like it's a real story element, and it's all it's story and character all coalesced into one thing. Welcome and, to the party, pal. And that's I just I think that's such a smart piece of filmmaking, and it really it really landed for me, uh, you know, like it really crystallized why this film was was kind of like firing on all cylinders.
0: And it also did what all good horror does, and it takes a very relatable uh, human experience, and that would be in this case, uh, entering a new family especially if you're a person that comes from a small family or or almost sort of not no blood family anyway uh, and and when you're entering into a marriage or one of those sort of things uh, you know, that's a terrifying moment. It, it's like a human naturally nervous and terror-induced moment like will they accept me? Do I belong here? Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But then this movie obviously does what all great horror does and elevates it to the point with, yeah, they'll accept you maybe, but they first they're gonna hunt you for about eight hours.
1: Well I love the idea that there's a there's a big what if in this film, which is that they're they're not Entirely certain that they will need to hunt her, and and the family and, isn't some yeah, of them. The, are. Fa- the fam, no, the, uh, I, until the card gets drawn, they're oh, all. Yes. yeah, you know, like Andy McDowell's character is actually like trying to, you know, she really she wants uh, uh, Grace's character to ultimately bring Alex back into the fold because Alex has left the family because he doesn't the believe, husband of Grace. Yeah, into the, and and so none of them are actually certain. They're hope. I think at least they're hoping that they don't have to actually go through with this until and then once they do, they're ready at the drop of a had to go because they have this belief structure in place.
0: So the dialogue leads us to believe uh, that they 100% what you said, they they it could go anyway and they don't want it to or whatever. But the, the the way the dialogue is spoken and the way that the actors play a lot of these scenes they do come off as overly creepy before they have to. The aunt is in the room when they're first making out after the wedding and she's like, "You're going to have to hide better than that." And yeah. I now the now, now, aunt, I, I the aunt know, is the aunt's one. all about it. Yeah. Yes. But even like when they first bring Grace down, mm-hmm. they're all like stoic as fuck mm-hmm. and they're all got that weird like that's when they were like the most like old school like any of these other families that I mentioned like and now we are in a cult. Here is the story of how our cult began and now as tradition we must play the skit. Like they're very dramatic about about it, whereas, if they, like, I just felt that was a little bit disparate.
1: Well, I just, I wondered if that kind of plays to the idea that they have an entirely different worldview, you know, like, I I don't know if you've, uh, you know, like, been around um. Very, 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 very wealthy people. I and, and- I actually have. Weirdly
0: enough, my socioeconomic status was growing up. I was the low to middle class family in uh, a very affluent. Like we were on the edge of the town. Yeah, and I went to a, like a, a good high school and all that jazz. But like, uh, whenever I went over to my friends' houses, yeah, I was very aware how. Poor we were. Well, it's
1: not, it's not that. Like, so again, I, I have a couple of friends who happen to be very wealthy, and I'm, and and they're actually great friends. You know, like they're people that I actually love. They and, didn't and, try to murder you. No, they
0: didn't try. Oh, to, but you never tried to marry into them,
1: unless it's a long con and then, like they're just really waiting to ripen me up. Give it time. Uh, yeah, maybe that's the that's the deal. Um, but but what I what I what I wonder about in terms of that sort of antiquity that they have, you know, that the I've said that word a few times on this episode, but the the idea that they have this sort of old uh, tradition, you know, like the sort of, uh, passed down tradition, um, you know, is, is, is based in their worldview. And it, it kind of, it speaks to the fact that they don't view the world on the same terms, which is that they don't have to deal with the sort of everyday in the way that you and I would have to, you know, like we don't, they don't have to, you know, I've always said one of the great equalizers in New York city is the subway right? And if you don't ever take the subway, your ability to interact with people is entirely limited. And like you know, like people who don't use the subway in New York have an entirely different mentality about what New York City about is. About what New York is. Yeah, yeah. if you
0: can afford to take cabs all the all over the place or dare I say if you're in a socioeconomic bracket where you can take like blades and shit, like that Oh, sorry, Blades is the Uber of helicopters.
1: Yeah, right. If you're yeah, like when you people fly to the Hamptons yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. You have a different worldview. Oh, I want to like, fly to the Hamptons. <laughs> you know, like we we see that all the time. And I and I wonder about that sort of that ritual where they're like well, this is our, you know, this is our world. This is what we do, and like, and for them, it's been entirely successful because they've maintained this sort of generational wealth over time, and it it speaks to, I guess, the 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 myth of meritocracy. I guess, in many ways, you know, like it's it's not for them. Um, it's about no. It, I mean, that's what I think this this film really is speaking <laughs> towards is that this is this is about generational wealth that is not earned but but maintained but
0: merely bargained from mm-hmm. a great-grandfather talking to a man on a merchant fishing vessel uh <laughs> that makes him a deal to fund his board game
1: right and then but for the family that we're actually watching da- the 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 current
0: the lo- whatevers um, yeah,
1: Los, uh, Los Dam- la damas yeah um they're they're the inheritors of all of that wealth they didn't have to make that bargain but
0: they've been they've been keeping it up with Mr labale yeah and... uh and Mr labale straight up uh <laughs> You know, we find out as we go uh, is the devil? Is LaBelle the devil? Uh, or a demon? I mean, well, okay, listen, here's the deal. Yeah. And now we're getting into full, but I wanted to say something else, I'll go back to it. Yeah. Uh, man, all the order of this podcast is way off from my brain in this morning, but no one knows. Don't say it out loud.
1: Okay, I won't say it out
0: loud. Okay, uh, so Wait, there's, there's a part at the end of the movie when they, they've they all sort of like scrapped around and they've captured her once, she's gotten away, <laughs> captured her once, she's gotten away, and they're about to sacrifice her and they've been doing chants and they've been doing whatever. Before they had her on a pentagram table, this was now at, like in an office because they <laughs> just had to like make do with what they had. Yeah, uh, because the the dawn was coming very soon. They went from just having creepy rituals to like basically all screaming "Hail Satan!" Right, and that was a moment that was a little bit knockback for me because the rest of the time they could have very well thought it was a different entity or a demon or like whatever, and nothing they've done so far was. I mean, satanic, like, like the, the, it, it felt very like, okay, now it felt like the movie stepped a little too far for what it was trying to do. And it weakened the whole thing just slightly for me. It is not a reason to not go see it or any of that reason, but like, like, I was just like, okay, oh, so now everyone's just like reeled down with Satan? Mm. I was like, before you were tiptoeing around this pretty fucking hard, and now all of a sudden your entire crew is chanting, hell, Satan.
1: Well, I think, uh, and we discussed this earlier today. Yeah, know, I'm not calling it out, but I'm just you know, just mentioning it. <laughs> um, they had
0: the, the same passion before.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, the, the fact that um, shouting, hail, Satan, for this family kind of means that they have an ideological point of view about yep. the world order. Uh, you know, like people don't, you know, like if you're just trying to maintain your wealth point, you might you might say it without much conviction. Yeah. Or you
0: know, there there was conviction. Here, yeah, yeah. So it it's played a little against what the script and what their previous actions were saying. It was a little despondent, not crazy. So
1: well, because I think the thing is also is that there's a certain sense of doubt in whether this is actually you know like no one's oh, there's only one member of the family that has actually seen Labelle, uh, and that's Alex, and they you know, they've decided he's the anointed one because of it. You know what this film really reminded me of what? a lot. Uh, This is the fun house and I think more fun version of Midsommar. You know, it's the it's the boy. It's not quite the same dynamic, but it is about this sort of like ritualistic uh, environment that that a young woman gets dragged into and has to fight a way out of because of her shitty boyfriend. It's escape room mixed with midsummer. <laughs> it is the yeah. uh, and because and, of her shitty boyfriend. Because of her, sh- like this is the thing. I was I was not on board for Alex the whole movie. The I mean, inter- you knew he was going to flip. You yeah, knew he, it. you kind of knew he was going to flip, and and I was I was like. Dude, you know, I was just the grace. I was like, bruh. And also, yeah, I mean, how do
0: you, how, how, how do, do you, you bring someone into this environment? Yeah, after you left it because of this, and yeah. now you're like, well, I guess, like, maybe but she'll play, get... pick Parcheesi. Yeah, and then we'll
1: be good until the next time someone brings someone in. Also, why why is the only murder game hide and seek? Yeah, and I was like, what, what, could it be, could it be Chase? I don't know, but that song, that song
0: we played uh, yeah. in the beginning of this episode is the, is the song that they play to give her the hundred count to go hide. And also, kudos to this film for using in the old devil yeah like, the old devil is like like he's wearing like a bathrobe and he's always smoking he's just having fun and singing run 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 I'm going to go find you and like it's just like having fun with being evil almost in like a weird sort of nonsense old animated fashion It's it because like, the
1: old school devil doesn't have to convince people that yeah, have that, to prove that, shit yeah it's like it's just like I can just do
0: things yeah you know like and now it's all about belief I think you said earlier before
1: yeah like now the devil's gonna like convince you that they're less shitty than a dictator oh. and a
0: th- third world country old devil all <laughs> about old devil yeah. i am i am here for old devil uh and mr labelle did not disappoint you in, know who
1: should play LaBale in if there's a sequel to this oh pacino no pacino, all the he way he was
0: great in devil's advocate oh, devil's advocate i want pacino. labelle to be like more um uh the guy who played joker in the batman uh 1967 oh, cesar romero cesar romero yeah. like i want that devil Right. I want I like want kind of tickly, you know. Old like funny, timey devil. Yeah, kinda kinda like the, the devil
1: you could potentially leave your kids with and hang out, you know, like they would yeah look for out like and, uh, like for a no, half but, hour. But the until devil something wouldn't kill happened. your kids; it would convert them into more evil.
0: Yeah, you know, like and they, it would have fun doing it. It yeah. wouldn't just be all about the evil; it'd be all about the the selffulness that that's yeah. act, that yeah. actual Satanism really is about.
1: The the funny thing is, I think this devil is um, the I guess maybe this is the part of the social commentary that I thought would have been interesting. Uh, this devil seemed content to kind of sit back and let the family implode.
0: Yeah, because he we, made he He made the deal. He
1: made the deal. And I well, I was kind of like excited if the, you know, I may hmm. Maybe this would have been interesting. Maybe not. Maybe not. This sounds like bad ideas as I'm as I'm saying them out loud. But if the idea was that we never really were sure that there was a devil, uh, you know, because I love that moment at the end of the film where basically, you know, they draw back the curtains and then they're like, you know, squinched up thinking, oh, am I going to am I going to like vampire out of this whole scenario and and then they realize that they're not but then I would have loved if interestingly they kind of create the scenario that gets them killed as opposed to just magically disappearing and then we see the devil it was like the devil wasn't really or you know the wasn't really Pulling the strings as much as their own belief structure kind of created the strings. He, was, he was just
0: emceeing the event.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was just like he was like a. a, a he wasn't I,
0: a production manager.
1: He was a dungeon master that kind of like somewhat got involved, but like really just stayed out of it.
0: I don't know if that reference is correct, but that's okay. You yeah. don't play a lot of tabletop RPGs. I, really I appreciate it. the effort. Yeah, yeah, I was trying. I, was, I really did it for yeah, you. I know, and yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, it.
1: but um, I wondered, you know, like if that that was part of the social commentary that I was like, I just. I kind of wondered if it got lost or... or It's it's just not quite as strong. Given that, you know, like, the other reason I was excited to do this film is that, you know, uh, Craig Zobel's film, The Hunt, uh, was a film that we've been discussing already because it was a film that was, you know, essentially has a little bit of the most dangerous game kind of element to it. Yep. But for some reason mentions the words, the and now it's, you know, going to be yanked from the, <laughs> from the face of existence. Whereas this film kind of snuck in uh, with this sort of like class consciousness at the at the heart of it,
0: it's almost as if if you don't really spell out exactly what you're doing in these simplest block letters, maybe someone who would have a problem with it wouldn't quite notice.
1: So like you could re-release, you basically scratch off the title and literally in pencil, yeah, scratch sharpie the, in sharpie in sharpie scratch off the hunt and replace it with uh, hunters, hunters, yeah. <laughs> To scratch off the and add an
0: E R S, and then you're like, it's a different movie. It's a, diff- it's a great film. It's a great best film. film. Beautiful yeah. film.
1: Or even just dub over the word deplorables with like. You don't even
0: have to. You think you think he's going to spend the time. Us. You think he's going to spend the time. Yeah,
1: no. he's not. I mean, we don't have anything to distract us with right now. No. Anyway, uh, my point here is, I had such a good. <laughs> I had such a great. Did time. you? I had such a great time with Radio Not. I think. I think Radio Not is. It's funny because I. I think it's. Its ambitions aren't lofty. But the the what it does do it does so well and is so well executed that I think that is a that's that's just a wonderful testament to like knowing how to pitch this film in such a smart
0: way. Well, you you said something the first time we recorded this podcast don't that I want to make sure mention, you don't mention. Oh, I mean, then how do I bring this up that I knew you knew this? But then you no, told no, don't me mention it. that I mentioned it before.
1: Oh, like 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 pretend we uh, we just met.
0: Oh, so hello, <laughs> hey. I heard that in Ready or Not, it was made by a group of younger filmmakers who sometimes swap roles depending on what type of film it is. Is that true?
1: That sounds like something a real handsome person would say
0: whatever. <laughs> Tell I, the story. I just wanted to get to it because there's was an interesting piece of trivia about the filmmakers about so, this story. So the directors
1: of Ready or Not are uh, Matt Be- Bittneely Alpen and Tyler Gillett Knight. Oh, Gillett. <laughs> um, well, the well, best well, a
0: man can get. Just yeah, get it right.
1: Yeah, they're part of the Gillett dynasty. Um, yeah. No, the... Uh, Dominion. The, 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 the Gillett Dominion. But they're part of a film collective called Radio Silence, um, who I believe have um, uh, have the sort of interchangeable role swaps between themselves as they make films. Now, the last couple of films they've made they made VHS and Southbound which I both believe which I believe are both anthology films Uh, and this I don't believe this is the first like full out just uh, non-anthology based film that they've made, um, but I think that they're kind of creating this interesting collective and dynamic where they can switch out depending on on right. how they work. And I, I look, I don't know the exact inner workings of how Radio Silence the uh, the the collective works, or if it's even a collective, or as opposed to just you know a group of people that like working together. Um, but I I just I think you know there's something about the way this is put together that feels so um, so well cognizant of what it is that they're trying to achieve and they achieve it so well and it has just in the, it's it's built on the tapestry of social commentary so well but you know that that it that that it manages to get where it's going really efficiently. Now, I kind of just wondered if the social commentary could be more pointed or could be broader or could or could really speak to the world we live in now because if you think about again The Hunt versus this film, it kind of speaks to this idea that we're we're in a, you know, and even the we discussed earlier the 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 purge, it speaks to like um, earlier the first time you didn't we, miss anything we, in this recording. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we're we're speaking to uh, a sort of place in cinema right Right now, it's reflecting our sort of uh, political and cultural reality, which has to do with class divide. It has to do with uh, with uh, 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 certain divisions between groups that is uh, fairly pronounced. You know, um, you know, much much as like uh, uh, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. You know, had that sort of class consciousness uh, sure. racial racial dynamic to it. I think you know these films are kind of speaking to a broader class divide. Now, I you know I think a film like Get Out really speaks uh, powerfully. To the world we live in, in terms of racial dynamics. Um, but, but this film kind of uses that as an effective tapestry to hang a really fun ride on and I think the that is such a such, such a thrill to watch and i'm I'm excited that we got to do it
0: yeah well I'm glad I'm glad you had a very good time not even in spite of almost because of you Carrie Bradshawed this movie hard you couldn't help but wonder
1: I could, is that what Carrie Bradshaw she uh,
0: she writes that in all of her columns uh, I couldn't help but wonder
1: see I'm not, I'm not was that well.
0: everybody having sex but me like that's the sort of like it's I, always I couldn't help but wonder. I couldn't help. Sex but in the w- City is a great fucking show. If you ever watch Sex in the City, you should watch Sex in the City.
1: I couldn't help but wonder if the family, really or not, ever got into orgies. Because like once you've once you've bre- breached the uh, that's a stretch. The, once you've breached the boundary of death, I think it's like uh, all bits are off. Once right? you've
0: breached the boundary of death, what like, what? <laughs> what edge lord handbook did you pull this from? What, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> like, Once you breach the boundary of death, <laughs> like a
1: family has decided that killing people is okay,
0: they reluctantly did.
1: Well, but they, but they, they have it. They've done, they've done it. Like I'm just wondering, like what other boundaries I, fall away? Well, I, I, think and I,
0: and they're also extraordinarily
1: wealthy who see the world in a different way. What I'm saying
0: is, I think orgy in in the in the idea of like adventurous things, mm-hmm. I would hope orgy comes before murder in your list of, of really? what you're building. To, yeah, one doesn't hurt people, and the other one lets people die.
1: I don't know, man. I don't think you want to be in an orgy with your aunt uh, in the room, uh, this is what I'm saying. So uh, my my thing here is I think... You're the, getting weird. I think the threshold of like what's acceptable goes out the window once you've decided killing people's okay. Right.
0: I don't even know where to begin. This is a real fucked up mm-hmm. sort of uh, equation you're you're forming. I'm just saying, for this family, they look at the, they look at shit very differently. But wouldn't it anyway? <laughs> I, I'm just saying, sexual deviance probably, not even deviance, just, just 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 uh, uncommon sexual behavior probably comes before murder. In the hmm, I'm so rich, I can do whatever I want. I think what you're saying
1: is in the morality of the universe. Yes, of course, sexual deviancy comes uh, lesser than murder. But I'm saying. That this family might just look at the world entirely differently
0: because they're cool with murdering people. So now they're gonna do. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I think it happened before. Like if, like if they're happened. hell. And Why Satan? are we talking about this? This <laughs> wasn't in the first podcast. If
1: they're hell and Satan, they're
0: probably. like... Do we have that? That's not. Set. No, that's. just Did despair- you see Rosemary's Baby? It's, that's not, not what Satan anyway. <laughs> uh, do you, what other point? Do you have any other points? I, I uh, like the movie. I, I got no points. <laughs> I think this movie was fun. I think you should go see it. I'm i
1: like the dull points of a pentagram.
0: I think it had. Uh, that doesn't also makes it, we need to stop this uh I thought the movie was really fun again the only thing I thought was some slight scripting problems and some tonal uh disjointing based around uh uh basically like characters sort of flip-flopping every once in a while a little too quickly or or the way they acted versus the way they said things and other like if the if that movie had, had like maybe like if this movie had like maybe another uh, revision or two I think it could have gotten to like a cabin in the woods status for me like like a really amazing like not only like super fun time that definitely has the lattice work of of social context within it but like actually have a full dressed up thing or like a building built around like it just could have it and 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 this is one of those interesting uh situations where a lot of times when I see a movie that has potential, I get upset that it didn't quite reach that potential. And I'm like, oh, you could have done this thing. And then I have a more negative effect about it. That's not what happened here. This is a yes and movie, not a no but, if we're talking in uh, improv terms. Mm-hmm. I like loved it a lot. And I would love it. I would have even loved it more maybe if they were like, oh, what about if you also did this? But it's definitely not necessary. You should 100% go see this film. Uh, it's going to be in theaters probably in the next couple weeks, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, it's probably not going to be a huge series though did make money.
1: Yeah, this thing costs six million dollars and is made uh, in the vicinity of twenty-six million right now. So I'm guessing, even though I didn't, re- I don't really want to see a sequel. Um, I don't I, either. But but I think there's there is worlds to explore within this uh, within this conceit that I think if you really played for it in interesting ways, you may be able to you know extrapolate this out. I, I I'm kind of on the I agree with you that like Cabin in the Woods is kind of extraordinary and and Get Out is pretty amazing as well. Mm-hmm. I, I just I I don't want to say uh this should necessarily go through more drafts i like what they did here and i think what they did you know i think what they did here is a real you know Amazing achievement, and I think it 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 speaks to uh, some real some real smarts behind the camera. Yeah, Um, and and you know I just think I'm so excited by how well they pulled off this conceit that I wonder what what where it could go, Uh, but it doesn't have to go anywhere. I think they they it's it's doing such a good job of where it's at right now.
0: We were so excited about this film. We just recorded this podcast for you a second time. We did it twice. Ready or not. This has been the only podcast about Ready or Not. Actually, not true because I have another copy of this podcast so this is the only and, time we've ever lied to you
1: hey you know, let, me, let me pause at a question for you sure what if we have to do it a third time oh fuck <laughs> what, what what do we do and like do we start making commentaries about the commentaries yes. that we've already made yes and then could we flash back to the commentaries that we
0: were i mean we with? could we could play a garbage sounding spot yeah, yeah. B- sure but that I, would be amazing shakir <laughs> when you aren't ready or not uh and when you can't hide uh, and I have to find you. Where can folks find you?
1: You can find me at my website at uh, this is the worst game of hide and seek ever because I'm just like, hey, he's in here. www.shahirdad.com. That's S H A H I R D A U D.com. Matt, when you are feeling the echoes of a previous conversation that we've just had today, where can people find you reliving your past?
0: Memories. You can find me hailing the old timey devil at M A T T H E W K R O L dot com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor the number four P R E Z on Instagram or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Uh, You can also find me uh, in the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. We just dropped uh, actually uh, uh, a video I find very poignant for my day today. Uh, We've dropped one called The Rebuilding Year, (laughs) uh, which is basically about how, you know, if you realize you're not going to win something or get to a goal or life has sort of moved you in a different direction, you need to just pick yourself up and realize it's okay and uh, do whatever you can to make sure that, like, you go for that, you know, championship at a later point. If you can't do it this year and get the championship in, like, a sports team, prepare your team so you have a better chance next year if you know you can't do Especially it.
1: Especially if right. you like forget what you were doing and you like you groundhog day yourself back into a scenario. Uh, sure. Yeah.
0: Uh, also we're finishing up the Inca Empire over there. We have a couple other good stuff. Ooh a special episode I can't even talk about comes out next Thursday. So By the time this no, we it'll be to, no, no, by the time
1: we have to re-record this it'll probably be out. So you'll Shut be on up!
0: On the third or fourth version. I of don't episode. need this. Anyway uh, <laughs> tune in next week when we speak at when you. we're about still it. reviewing Ready or Not? <laughs> well I was just going to say we don't actually know what we're doing next week and I I love that toss. I like come back next week for a movie.
1: Yeah, for a movie. Any movie. It could be any movie. Write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Leave hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod.
0: Leave us stars, five stars, preferably on the iTunes store because it helps us. And, and listen, if you've gone this far mm-hmm. into this podcast and you know it's going to end in like the next minute, <laughs> I think you might like us enough to leave us a nice review on there. It helps people see us, and then uh, we can keep doing podcasts over again more or oh, less. Yeah. You
1: know what would be really interesting? If somehow we deli- deleted the entire archive of all our podcasts and had, and had to re-record them like Swede-style. Like, Do you remember that movie, Be Kind, Rewind? Yeah, I got like, go. to go. We had to do all of that again.
0: That's the most depressing thought I think <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. We will hear uh, from you hopefully next week as you will hear from us. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe. Why not? Maybe. Bye, everyone. Bye. Ready or not, Cuba can hide. You know the. You're gonna find.